Welcome investors to the Absolute Return Podcast, your source for stock market analysis, global macro musings, and hedge fund investment strategies. Your hosts, Julian Klamotko and Michael Kesslering, aim to bring you the knowledge and analysis you need to become a more intelligent and wealthier investor. This episode is brought to you by Accelerate Financial Technologies. Accelerate, because performance matters. Find out more at accelerateshares.com. Welcome, ladies and gents, to the Absolute Return Podcast. I'm your host, Julian Klamachko. I'm joined by my co-host, Mike Kesslering. And on today's show, we welcome special guest, Gitesh Ramamurthy, Chairman and CEO of CCC Information Services, a leading SaaS platform for the property and casualty insurance economy. CCC recently announced a merger with Dragoneer Growth Opportunities in a $7 billion deal. On the podcast, Gitesh discusses how CCC has evolved over the 30 years in which he's been at the company, what it is like taking CCC public, then private, and now public again, why they only considered Dragoneer growth opportunities out of all the SPACs out there, key growth opportunities and their approach to M&A, the investment case for CCC stock, and more. So with no further ado, here's our discussion with the CEO of CCC Information Services, Gitesh Ramamurthy. Okay, so we have Gitesh from CCC on today's Absolute Return podcast. Really intriguing business, a lot of action going on with respect to the big changes at the corporation undergoing a going public transaction for the second time in its history. So the first thing I wanted to touch on is the history with CCC as a business. It's been around for a while. And Gitesh, your history specifically with the company, you've been with CC, CCC Information Services for nearly 30 years, becoming president and COO in 1997, being elected chairman to the board about 21 years ago, taking the company public back in 1996, taking that private a decade later, and now public again. Could you walk us through your journey at the company and how CCC has evolved over the past three decades? Uh, absolutely, absolutely happy to do it. So first of all, you know, if you think about CCC, we are the cloud provider. We're a SaaS company. We're the leading SaaS platform, basically powering the multi-trillion dollar PNC insurance economy. That means that the CCC cloud powers applications, for insurance companies, collision repairers, parts providers. So it's a very vast ecosystem, and we provide the connectivity across all of these different participants in helping you know, bring basically restoration to claims after an event, a claim event happens. And if you look at you know, the complexity involved, it's pretty substantial, right? You've got a, literally a billion days in the United States alone elapse every year between auto claims being created and auto claims being closed. Right. So uh, 30,000 plus companies. Yeah. So by way of background, I'm an electrical engineer by training. And uh, in you know, the very first uh, few years of electrical engineering, I started working with microprocessors as part of my undergraduate thesis, you know, which was the world's first uh, microprocessor-based heart monitor. And that was a fascinating exercise because it became very, very clear. This was almost uh, back in the early 80s. I decided I'd focus on software and uh, personal background. 
is I ended up at uh, Georgia Tech pursuing a master's in computer science and was uh, doing operating system development for IBM and Light and, you know, joined up with three fellows uh, from, uh, you know, McKinsey, and we built what became the world's leading Salesforce automation company in the 80s, and that was really my introduction to large-scale, and I was the chief technology officer of the company, to large-scale software and platforms, and it was very clear that the world was going to be moving towards software and technology. So after we sold the company to Dun & Bradstreet, I joined CCC almost uh, 30 years ago as a chief technology officer to really focus on this industry, which $250 billion spend, lots of different players. I always love cars, but if you think about the players involved, you got hundreds of insurance companies, parts providers, rental providers, all kinds of people involved in really settling an auto claim. And I joined as the chief technology officer and built a team, a technology team, to build out our first product, which was called Pathways, which was the first digital estimating system. And back then, I don't know if you you may or may not recall, back then, these manuals were stacked about seven feet high of manuals. (laughs) So after a collision, if you really wanted to repair a vehicle, and to dig through these stack of seven-foot manuals. Mm-hmm. Wow. And we, we digitized that process, right? Right. Which means with CD-ROMs, digitized all of that, made that available on CD-ROMs connected to a laptop. So that was really the first few years at the CCC that allowed us to really leapfrog and really deliver that solution to insurers and repairers. So that's how was my first uh, couple of years, few years at CCC and, with our development and team. And you really you know, built off that over the past few decades. Now you have at CCC a significant SaaS platform for the PNC insurance economy. Could you explain to our listeners exactly how some of your products work in the market? What's the company's value proposition? And how does CCC differentiate itself in the marketplace from other perhaps competitors? Uh, sure. So first, uh, to describe our solutions, right? The industry is going through a massive digitization effort. Mm-hmm. And in fact, during COVID, this digitization uh, force really expanded even more dramatically. You know, our customers had to send thousands of their employees to work from home. Right. And at the same time, as claims were taking place, there was this absolute need to serve service the customers. So we have seen the adoption of our mobile platforms, uh, our artificial intelligence platforms, and the like that really provided social distancing for employees and for customers and to provide this digitization capability. So the last you know, three decades, we started out with digitizing more and more of the insurance process right. from the point at which a claim happens to routing the claim within the carrier, the ability to write the estimate, to do total loss valuations, to be able to audit what was going through, to do analytics. So that was really where we had started. And then over the last 30 years, we've also built out our uh, our solutions for the repair market. So for the collision repairers, there are probably close to 40,000 collision repairers in the country. 
And we our customers are about 26,000 uh, use CCC. And for them, we are the operating platform. That means from a vehicle coming in the door to information about the vehicle, how do I repair the vehicle, how do I order the parts, how do I manage the labor, all of that complexity that is involved, we help manage. And we also provide a network that connects insurers to repairers. Right. Repairers then have to order parts. $15 billion of parts are ordered by our collision repair customers. So we then built a network connecting thousands of parts dealers back to the repairers. So that so that's really the way we've continued to expand and build our uh, solutions. So the so your question about differentiation is that our what CCC uniquely delivers is incredible value to really uh, on two specific fronts. First and foremost, we provide incredible operating efficiencies for whether you're a car company, you're a collision repairer, you're an insurer, parts provider, we provide tremendous operating efficiencies. The second piece of what we also bring bring in is we help deliver revenue for repairers, parts providers, and a whole host of other players. So those are the twin value propositions, if you would, that we deliver. And what really differentiates the company more than anything is a maniacal focus on delivering for our customers. And, you know, we have crafted various parts of the company's ecosystem from training to software development to running our cloud. Uh, we delivered, for example, 1,400 software releases. So you ask yourself, that's all great, but is there an objective measure? The objective measure that we've used is a measure called Net Promoter Score. Mm -hmm. And our Net Promoter Score is 80. So an 80-point Net Promoter Score puts you at the absolute top of any technology provider in the world. Yeah, so to and provide context to our listeners, that's a, that's a very high score. <laughs> well, and it's taken years to build that, uh, you know, to get that score. That means you have to hone every facet of your value. And it's also a great way to continue to measure, are we delivering for our customers? So we keep that delivery, and a huge piece of the delivery is really innovation, right? CCC has been a growth company for all of these years, and virtually every facet of our growth has come from innovation. That means the innovation is driven by superior technology, uh, by having great people, but also the network I described continues to get richer and richer and richer. And now, a word from our sponsor, Accelerate, one of Canada's most innovative and fastest growing alternative investment solution providers with a suite of institutional caliber alternative ETFs for investors seeking diversification and long-term performance. The Accelerate Arbitrage Fund, symbol ARB on the TSX, is the world's first SPAC-focused ETF with a diversified portfolio of SPAC and merger arbitrage opportunities in an easy-to-use, low-cost ETF. The Accelerate Arbitrage Fund ETF trades under the symbol ARB on the Toronto Stock Exchange. Find out more at accelerateshares.com. So in terms of in, in further innovation, I mean, your, your company, CCC, did announce a going public transaction in, in early February 
with your SPAC merger with Dragoneer growth opportunities, um, where you were valued at a $7 billion enterprise, $7 billion enterprise value. How did this deal come about? Sure. So first and foremost, you know, we've grown through, you know, innovation for a long period of time. And as you described early on, uh, I was part of the team that took the company public in 96 and then ended up taking, you know, we ended up taking the company private in 2006. And uh, the so we are actually used to operating as a public company. We did it for a decade. We know how to operate as a public company. And over the last 15 years, we've been a private company. And if you look at our returns, even the last five years, we were public. Our shareholders had a 400 plus percent return. For the last five years, we were public way back, uh, you know, in the, way, way back uh, in, in the last five years of us being public. And 15 years later, we have spent massively on a whole bunch of innovations, right? We've delivered the world's first commercial artificial intelligence where you can take your phone, take pictures around your car, our AI kicks in, looks at the damage, looks at the panel damage, and can literally start processing the claim right from that step and then all the way through connecting you to a repair facility, scheduling it. Uh, we also are the connected car platform for telematics. So we built a lot of innovations over the last 15 years. And we started thinking about the next five years and where we were going to go, where the industry was going to go. And as we listened carefully to our customers, you know, across all of the different uh, markets that we operate in, it was very clear the force of digitization was going to continue to accelerate. So we thought, hey, it'd be a great time to have a source of permanent capital, which gives us enormous flexibility, maybe give us a little more visibility, but mostly giving us the scale to continue to drive innovation on behalf of our customers. And that's really the path we're on. And we were, we were actually, you may be surprised to see here that we were actually looking at an IPO mm-hmm. and had actually never even considered a SPAC, never spent much time on really understanding or looking at the SPAC market. And we were approached by the team at uh, Dragoneer. And Dragoneer, as you may know, is one of the most preeminent uh, investors. Uh, and they have been a big technology investors. They've invested in Airbnb and Spotify, Snowflake, and other world-leading companies. And while we were not pursuing, uh, you know, had any other conversations with SPAC, as we started meet with Mark's dad and the rest of the Dragoneer team, we really started to understand their philosophy, which has been very similar to ours, which is build a great business over a long period of time continue to invest aggressively in innovation, continue to invest in people, talent, and make sure you do right by your customers. And so that combination, as opposed to any short-term, you know, as opposed to anything short-term, so this long-term nature of compounded growth, which we've delivered, was what was very attractive to them. And what was attractive to us was that the SPAC process allowed us, you know, some simplicity in going to market, going coming back to the public markets than even a traditional IPO. Does that help 
answer the question of why. And that's why we uh, did the deal with uh, Dragoneer. And the announcement we made, I think, on February 2nd or 3rd to go, uh, to go down this route. Oh, definitely. And I listened to the subsequent conference call as well. And you also indicated that, you know, it's different than the traditional uh, SPAC merger and that I believe you didn't speak to any other SPACs aside from Dragoneer. So that <laughs> certainly was that unique. Is, yes. And yes. So that is what is unique about this, which is, uh, we did not speak or engage in any conversations other than with the Dragoneer team, because look, we we know how to take company public. Our investors have taken you know dozens and dozens of uh, companies public, and we really felt the values they represented in terms of doing right by your customers, by your employees, by your shareholders. You have to do all three right. I don't know that any group does as much uh, in-depth diligence as uh, these guys do. Mm -hmm. They're a great group of people. And they've also, we were also very pleased with the fact that they've done enormous amounts of diligence and understood our net promoter score, the way our customers think about us, the way we innovate. And uh, that, I think, was a key differentiation in terms of uh, you know, how the Dragoneer team also thought about it, meaning we were the number one pick. For, this, for, uh, for them as well. Pick of the litter. Now, the other unique aspect to this business combination, this growing public transaction, is that part of the sponsor and existing shareholder equity is subject to earnout provisions. Could you quickly describe how that works? Yeah. I, I just, you know, at, at the end of the day, none of us are selling, right? right? No existing shareholder is selling a single share into the transaction. N not not one, right? right? So the way this uh, the way this works is when we achieve a fifteen dollar share price for mm -hmm. twenty days out of thirty out of thirty days, there's fifteen million shares that our existing shareholders get as a result of the earnout. Right. Yeah. So right? really, and, just aligning you know, with other shareholders. Yeah. So it is at fifteen dollars. Uh, the SPAC transaction was done at $10, mm -hmm. and at 15 there's 15 million shares as part of the earnout. And Dragoneer, as an investor, and the group of uh, the Dragoneer shareholders, and we also have a number of wonderful uh, shareholders that came in through the pipe. Uh, you may be aware we did a relatively small pipe yep. with the $7 billion enterprise value. We went out to raise $100 million. And we had some wonderful shareholders, uh, people like uh, Thero Price um, and, you know, Capital Research and just some absolutely wonderful uh, long-term technology uh, shareholders that came in. And the demand was very, very heavy. We had literally, you know, many, many multiples of the demand. So we raised, this, raised the pipe from $100 million to $150 million. Part of the reason was that we did not really want to get diluted mm -hmm. because none of our existing shareholders will remain. They continue to be, you know, 80 plus percent of the shareholder base going forward. None of us wanted to get diluted. And so we kept the pipe to a minimum. And uh, so and, and, and I think all the mechanisms are all well laid out in terms of the earnout. I hope that answered uh, your question in terms of the earnout. But I also wanted to give you some broader context. 
Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And the other aspect that I wanted to touch on is the notion that this is not your first time taking CCC public. In fact, you did so 25 years ago and are now doing so again. I was wondering once this deal closed and you're once again public, is the business model or the structure of the company going to change? Are your growth initiatives going to change perhaps? Or even it could be that the balance sheet is going to utilize less leverage. And how do you feel out there taking CCC public for a second time? Yeah, first of all, I feel great about taking the company public, right? We have an awesome management team. We have a lot of depth in the management team. I think in terms of products, solutions, and customers compared to the first time we went public, we have substantially more scale, Mm -hmm. uh, more depth, and more penetration. And so all that feels really good. I would say that the core values that have driven this company for you know, at least the 30 plus years I've been a part of the company, those values haven't changed. And those values are, I just summarized into really three categories. First and foremost, have an extraordinary deep understanding of your customers' problems. What do you need to solve them? And you know, be surgically focused on that. That's always number one. Number two is really building great technology, investing heavily ahead of the curve, in basic technology and platforms. For example, we're the first to deliver an internet-based platform. We're the world's first to deliver commercial AI. So there's a number of industry firsts we've delivered. So that will continue to be the case. And we're continuing to build, recruit, and add more engineers, more talent, more, more capability to our technology stack. So that's number two. And number three, one of the things I'm most proud of is really the values we have inside the company. The culture, the values, the accessibility. We all know each other on a first-name basis. And having a light and informal culture has been super important in making sure that people feel great about what they do and how we're able to work with each other. So those three things in terms of what we do do not change. But you're right. Leverage will drop. I think we'll end up with somewhere around two, two and a half times leverage as a public company. We'll also take in about close to a billion dollars of capital. Mm -hmm. That gives us flexibility to accelerate innovation. So occasionally, if you need to uh, buy a company to fill out a product line or to do those things, we have more flexibility to do that. We also have more permanent capital to do that. Right. And so talking about accelerating innovation, going through the investor presentation, you outline key key growth drivers and growth expectations for the company on a go-forward basis, specifically forecast revenue growth in 2021 of 13% and a long-term target revenue growth of 7 to 10% growth rate. What are some of the key growth drivers that you plan on utilizing to drive this future performance? Uh, so I would say first and foremost, if you look at the products and solutions we have today, just what is in production, that alone will enable CCC to be you know, two to three times the size it is today, right? So continue to roll out products and solutions to our customers where we can generate value is huge. But there are certain areas where we think there are great opportunities 
uh, continuing to grow e-commerce with parts, continue to move with uh, payment processing, where we are in the middle of a hundred plus billion dollars of flow throughout this ecosystem. So if you look at the PNC insurance economy and where we operate, hundred billion dollars move, more than a hundred billion dollars move between insurers to repairs, repairs to parts providers, to medical providers, and so on and so forth. So there's a fantastic opportunity to digitize a lot of the payments capability. And I would say the single largest uh, growth opportunity we see is a concept called straight-through processing. Mm -hmm. As we talk to more and more and more of our customers, this notion of straight-through processing means I am much, much more digital in everything I do as a customer. So our customers are trying to go, you know, and by the way, literally for every single claim event, there are dozens of decisions that have to be made. Should I tow this vehicle? Should I repair this car? Should I total this car? Does this have a type? Does this have a lean? Do I need to interface the bank? You know, what parts do I order for this vehicle? So there are literally dozens and dozens and dozens of decisions to be made. And so this notion of straight through processing, where you're using artificial intelligence, and by the way, we have over 500 models, industrial strength models we built that are that can continue to scale to solve this problem of you know straight through processing. Mm -hmm. So you know we remain very excited about that. And I would also say that there are a number of adjacent markets uh, that we're also looking at. And now a word from our sponsor, Accelerate, one of Canada's most innovative and fastest growing alternative investment solution providers. With a suite of institutional caliber alternative ETFs for investors seeking diversification and long-term performance, the Accelerate One Choice Alternative Portfolio ETF, symbol 1C, ONEC on the TSX is Canada's first alternatives portfolio solution, providing exposure to six alternative asset classes, 10 alternative strategies in one easy to use, one choice ETF that charges a management fee of just 0.2%. The Accelerate One Choice Alternative Portfolio ETF trades under the symbol 1C ONEC on the Toronto Stock Exchange. Find out more at accelerateshares.com. One other thing that was mentioned in your investor presentation in terms of future growth would be M&A opportunities. And so could you describe your your typical approach to M&A and how you would identify potential acquisition candidates? Uh, sure. So first of all, you know, for us, M&A is only in the context of our strategy. We will not do M&A because uh, because. It, it is a means to grow or it is, you know, it's a means for something else. So M&A only fits in the context of our strategy. So as we build out solutions, uh, to, there may be areas where it may be faster to buy a company than to build a piece of technology. We'll look at that. If As we enter and look at adjacent markets, there might be someone where we respect a lot in terms of their capabilities. And we might look at a company like that. So we actually have a full-blown team that is continuously analyzing, you know, uh, M&A potential candidates, but all in the context of our strategy. Now, that makes complete sense. And something something else that you mentioned earlier was, was really your value proposition and differentiators that 
your surgical approach focus on the customer. And I mean, you had the background with Salesforce. Um, and, and so there was certainly probably some inspiration drawn from, from that company, but are there any, any other companies that in the early stages that CCC was really drawing inspiration from in terms of that intense focus on the customer? Yeah. Uh, just to be clear, uh, I'm talking about the first company my partners and I created called Sales Technologies, which was actually a precursor to Salesforce.com. Uh, we actually created that uh, company uh, called Sales Technologies, which we, we eventually sold to Dun & Bradstreet. And I would say the inspiration really came from a number of companies that over the long haul have continued to build out as opposed to, you know, during the dot-com phase, it was as much about what not to do, right? During the dot-com phase in the 2000 timeframe, you saw lots of companies basically built for six months or a year or two years. And, you know, we really admired companies that have continued to last the distance. So when you look at a, when you look at a Google, you look at an Apple, you look at, you know, many of the companies that have deep intrinsic value, they're all companies that deliver for their customers and the customers love them. And they also have a great culture and they're also bold. They're able to take innovation uh, to the next level and are continuing to invest in that. So those, those are really some of the things you looked at. And one of the uh, forces in terms of customer focus for us was really, I don't know if you read Frederick Reichelt's book, but we had invited Fred Reichelt, who wrote a book called The Loyalty Effect, mm -hmm. uh, to one of our conferences 20 plus years ago. And the notion that a single question of, will you recommend this company? You know, that single question, you know, could have a pretty substantial impact on how a company go, grows over time. And that's really what led to the journey of Net Promoter Score, where we measure every facet of what we do, from tech support to product release quality to account management. That allows us to continue to get focus and keep that uh, customer focus. The, I would say the other thing is also we've admired massively is companies that have built successful networks. So a huge part of what CCC does is really build out the network between insurers and repairers, repairers and parts providers, parts providers and OEMs. So that network brings value to every single part, every single customer on the network. So the more customers you have, the more value every single person gets. And that's another thing that's been a key part of our strategy as well. And CCC has had a strong history uh, performing for investors. You mentioned the previous time you were public, 1996, public for about 10 years prior to going private, had returns of what? 400 plus percent. And then I'm not positive how you've done for the private equity investors, but I'm sure it's been nothing but positive given the financial performance. Now, once again, going to be public, investors will be thinking, you know, what are some key considerations? Why should they pay attention to CCC stock now that it's becoming a public company? Well, I think it is really the key driver. Yes. I mean, yes, we, the last five years were public. We delivered 400 percent. And over the last 15 years, uh, for private investors, the returns have been great. But I really think what 
drives financial performance are really the ability for a company to continue to generate value for its customers. Mm -hmm. So as customers seek more innovation, more technology, they approach companies that not only they can trust, but companies that can perform. So I always say these two things to people all the time, which is it is trust and performance. You've got to be a company that is trusted. You also got to be a company that delivers performance for your customers. So if you can do these two things on a consistent basis, uh, I, you know, it generates great equity returns over the long, long haul. So the equity returns are a byproduct of delivering great innovation and value for the customers and making sure you have a great culture inside your company. And I think those are the precursors and the end result of that over a long period of time, as we've demonstrated, is a substantial equity return over a long period of time, but they're only the result of doing these other things right. Right, and so the SPAC merger currently trading under DGNR, expected to close later in the second quarter. Say, to the extent that investors are interested, where can they find out more about the company? Uh, CCCIS.com. That's our website. And we expect to close the merger, you know, as in late second quarter. And uh, we'll be trading under our own symbol. And uh, we really expect our investors to deliver great returns over the long uh, period of time. And uh, we're excited about coming out as a public company again. For sure. And we're excited to see that as well. Gitesh, thank you for coming on the Absolute Return podcast today. Appreciate your insights into CCC's history as a business, its future projections and future potential, and the details on this back merger with Dragoneer. So I thank you for coming on the show, giving, uh, spending time with us, and wish you all the best in the future as a, once again, public company. Well, thank you so much. I've enjoyed listening to some of your podcasts, and I look forward to hearing more as well. And uh, congratulations on the business you built. Thank you. Okay, great. Love to hear it. Uh, love getting new listeners. So thank you for that, and hope you have a great day. Bye, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the Absolute Return Podcast. This episode was brought to you by Accelerate Financial Technologies. Accelerate, because performance matters. Find out more at accelerateshares.com. The views expressed in this podcast are the personal views of the participants and do not reflect the views of Accelerate. No aspect of this podcast constitutes investment, legal, or tax advice. Opinions expressed in this podcast should not be viewed as a recommendation or solicitation of an offer to buy or sell any securities or investment strategies. The information and opinions in this podcast are based on current market conditions and may fluctuate and change in the future. No representation or warranty, expressed or implied, is made on behalf of Accelerate. As to the accuracy or completeness of the information contained in this podcast. Accelerate does not accept any liability for any direct, indirect, or consequential loss or damage suffered by any person as a result of relying on all or any part of this podcast, and any liability is expressly disclaimed.